Would you please turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 5? Uh, you could use your program. Uh, we're going to look at the Beatitudes that we've been talking about. We're in this series called Culture. And, and we looked at these, these, uh, these Beatitudes, as they're often called, but these characteristics, this, this, the way that we should look as followers of Christ, or I should say the way a follower of Christ will look. Um, as we were preparing for this message this week, we were talking about it, and, and it's like, you know, so often it, we kind of use the verbiage, you know, this is, this is what we need to look like, or this is what we need to do. And, and it's like, I want to be very clear, this isn't what we do, this is who we are. This is who we, and this is going to sound bad, but this is who we be, right? This is who we are. There's not, I don't think there's, if we're cognitively thinking about it, like, well, this is a switch i got to flip. Um, we're off. We're off point because this, as we follow Christ, as we immerse ourselves into Christ, as we come to Him and just totally surrender ourselves to Christ, His Spirit comes into our lives and He begins to mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus, and we begin to bear His fruit and we begin to look like these things. And so, what? I, let's take a look at these. And I'm going to read verses one and two, which I don't believe is listed there in your program, but. And in the message, it articulates it this way. It says, When Jesus saw His ministry drawing huge crowds, He climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to Him, the committed, climbed with Him. That's a huge word right there. Committed. The committed. They climbed with Him. Arriving at a quiet place, He sat down and He taught His climbing companions. And this is what He said. You're blessed. When you're at the end of your rope... With less of you, there is more of God in His rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment that you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite. For God, he, He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At that moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Verse 9, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. And then he says in 11.12, Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. 
Now, I'm going to finish that statement in today's message, or that verse. I'm going to finish that, and we're going to look at it here in just a few moments uh, as we talk about this salt and light. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about salt and light. Last week, I talked about the life of Joseph and how, you know, salt, as, as, as the message Eugene Peterson articulates in the message, or paraphrases in the message, it enhances things. And we talked about that last week, how salt enhances things. Like there's certain foods that just, if you can just have a pinch of salt on, it really just brings its full flavor out. And and that's what Jesus is saying. As my followers, as my committed ones, as my disciples, you're going to go into the world. You're going to go against a culture that is not my culture. You're going to go against people that are not part of my kingdom. And you're going to be persecuted because of just who you are. But you're going to bring salt to them. You're going to enhance. You're going to bring me glory by being who you are in me. And he talks about us being light. That as we go into the world, we expose the darkness. Light exposes darkness. Darkness never can overcome light. It's always the opposite. Light always overcomes darkness. And it's in the darkest of dark that the light really penetrates the most intensely intensified. Something like that. That's who we are as disciples. And I love the first part of this. He says, the committed followed him. The ones that are committed... That is a huge word in our culture today. The committed. And not in a negative way, right? But the committed. We're committing to this. We're committing to this way that Jesus has called us to. We're allowing Him to change us. We're, we're, we're living in a humble state, in, a, in a, a surrendered state before Him or within Him so that His Holy Spirit can do His work in and through us. This past... Um, um, Couple of weeks, whatever month or whatever, we've been. My family's been. Tra- we've been traveling. We traveled to Pennsylvania to see my folks, and um, I don't know if you're. You know, we've got this Dodge Caravan. As we're going to Pennsylvania, you start hitting the mountains. You start kind of hearing different sounds, and my sounds that I hear from my vehicle are never cheap sounds. They're always like expensive sounds or smells, you know what I'm saying? And so we're driving over the mountains and you start getting that, you know, you start hitting your brakes and you start getting a little bit of vibration and you're like, oh gosh, here we go, you know? And you hear certain sounds and then the sound goes away, so you're thinking it healed itself, right? It fixed itself. And you praise God for that. God, you fixed my car. That's awesome. And so then a little bit after, a couple weeks after that, we went to Wisconsin to see my uh, sister-in-law, my wife's sister and her husband. And, you know, we're going through Chicago. Bless that city. That's an awesome city just to drive through. You don't even have to visit it. Just to drive through Gary, Indiana and Chicago is just awesome. So we're going through and I start hearing that sound like, you know, when I hit my brakes and I'm thinking, I wonder if that's right, you know? And, and to, to, you know, you're going through Chicago in traffic and you start hearing that. And to make things even better, you got four kids in the back saying, what is that sound, you know? And you're just like, shut up, you know? So anyhow, it's like being on a plane where people are, you know, you hear kids, hey, what's that sound? And you're like, don't ask that question. Um, so, so anyhow, we get to Wisconsin and, and you know, I'm like, okay, <laughs> we got to get this looked at, man. So we go, and sure enough, we had to get the rear brakes fixed, which the, the worst part, which I don't want to tell you, is I, I, me and a friend did them last year, last summer, which is probably why we had to do them this year, too. So anyhow, that's another story. 
But as I'm talking to the mechanic, I'm like, so that sound isn't like normal? That's not what we're looking for, you know? And he's like, no, that's not it. So, but as I started thinking about that, you know, obviously it's metal against metal. It's that expensive sound. It's that sound that just goes through you and you're like, oh gosh, that's horrible, you know? And as I got to thinking about it, isn't that the way our spiritual journeys is sometime? God wants to change us. God wants to mold us into, into, into this, this person that He's created. In our God-created identity. And it feels like metal against metal at times. And you're just like, oh, gosh, I don't want to... I mean, it, it, that spiritual growth just grinds against our human nature. You know when Paul talks about that where he says, you know, the human flesh goes up against the spiritual flesh. And it's just... You know, it's, it's a war. And, 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 and today, guys, I, I want to talk about this salt and light part two of it. Because in the, next pa- in the next part, he really goes into kind of what happens when we are truly the salt and light. Or how to do it, I should say. How to do it. But this is the key. And this is the, mess- this is the key to this whole message is this. It takes commitment. And if you're sitting here this morning, I just want to say this. I don't believe you're here by accident. I don't believe you're here by coincidence. I don't believe it's just like something you drummed up. It is a spiritual thing that you're sitting here this morning and you're going to hear these words. Now, I'm not anybody special, you know, setting myself up as like, I'm going to deliver this incredible message. No, what I'm telling you is this. God wants to speak to you this morning. Each and every one of us. You may be dancing on the mountaintops. You may be this person that's been following Christ for years. I'm telling you, God is still saying to you and to every single person, I want to take you deeper. I want to show you more. I want you to enjoy me more. I want you to desire me. I don't want to date you. I don't want to court you. I want all of you. But it takes a word that we, that just rubs us, it's called commitment. And for some of us, we, you know, you know, it's, we, we hear this, we hear this passage, we hear these words, and it's, for some of us, it doesn't make sense. Some of you are sitting in here this morning, and you're, and hopefully this doesn't happen, but what could happen is you walk out and you say, I just, I still don't understand. I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. And I want to speak to that this morning. Because if we walk out and, we, and, we, and when we read the Word and, we're, and, we're, and we come away from it and we're constantly saying, I just don't understand or I don't get it, I'm telling you, it's a red flag. It's a place you don't want to be. Because the Holy Spirit, His ministry, Jesus teaches us this, Paul teaches us, as we're going to look at this here in a second, Paul and Jesus teaches us that the Holy Spirit's ministry is to reveal the things of God to us. If we don't understand, Jesus told us this. He he talked about this to the Pharisees. He said, if you can't hear God, if you can't talk to God, these things, maybe you're not part of God. Now that's where the comes into effect, right? Right? But wait a minute, I made a commitment 25 years ago to follow Jesus. Don't you dare go down that path. I'm not questioning your salvation. 
But I'm telling you what the Word of God teaches us is that if we are not growing in Christ, something is off. I get that we're human, but something is off. How many of us have had conversations where you talk to someone? Just uh, yesterday, um, Leslie and I were talking about something and we kind of went down this path. And I kind of got this, well, you don't accept me for who I am. And I'm like, Les, I accept you for who you are, but at some point, what you're trying to tell me to accept is not, it's not right. And that's what we do to protect ourselves, right? A lot of times we'll say, don't talk to me that way. Don't go down that path with me. And what we're doing is we're building a little hedge to say, this is who I am and I'm not willing to grow. I'm not willing to look at something from a different perspective. I'm not willing to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and change me because it's extremely hard and, 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 we, and we refuse to put ourselves in a position of being committed to say, you know what, I'm committed to this and I want the Holy Spirit to change me. Here's the issue. In John 15, or John... Um, this next passage of Scripture, John 15, 5, Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. It doesn't say that we're the vine and He's the branch. I am the vine. You are the branch. And when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation is intimate and organic. Does that describe your spiritual life? This intimate organic fellowship with Jesus where you begin to bear much fruit. He says the harvest is sure to be abundant. He says separated, you can't produce a thing. He goes on to say anyone who separates from me is dead wood. It's gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. He goes on to say this, This is how my Father shows who He is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. The question becomes, are we producing fruit? And the only way that we will ever be able to produce fruit within our lives is to stay connected to the vine. Because Jesus is the one, through the power of His Holy Spirit, produces fruit within inside of us. You want to be a humble person? And, and guys, this isn't like, well, I don't know if I want to be humble or not. The Scripture teaches us that if we are a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're going to be humble. We're going to show mercy. We're going to grieve the things that grieves God. We're not going to enjoy the things of the world per se. We're not going to, to be part of the world. We're, we're in it, but we're not of it. And, and we're different. Vastly different individuals. And the only way that can ever happen is to stay connected to the vine. Okay? Now, Paul later writes... In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And he says this. He said, Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. There are times when you read the Scripture and you're like, this doesn't make sense. Uh, and and um, you understand it, but it doesn't make sense. You know, like to pray for your enemies. Or, you know, to do, you know, to, to do these other things. To show mercy when you should... You, when you, when our culture says don't show mercy, when you look at it in that sense, it, comparison, contrast, it doesn't make sense. 
And Paul says, you're right. It doesn't make sense because God chose the things that the the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He goes on to say, and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing what the world considers important. Paul's writing to the church in Corinthians. They are messed, it's a messed up church. They're getting hung up on things. There's division. In chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, what's taking place within the church? People are kind of uh, factioning themselves. There's division because they're saying, well, I followed this person. This person baptized, Apollos baptized me. Well, Paul baptized me. I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you because Apollos did this, or Cephas did this, or Paul did this, or whatever. And Paul's saying, none of that matters. Absolutely none of that matters. What matters is that we are united in one spirit. That doesn't mean that I'm going to like the color that you like. We're going, everyone's going to have the same collar. We go to Element Church because every single one of us likes purple. Okay, That's our favorite collar. Every one of us says that our favorite dessert is apple pie. Every one of us says we should drive uh, General Motors, whatever. You know what I'm saying? That is not what that stu- that the Scripture is saying. And at some point, I wish we as the church, and when I say we as the church, not just Element, but we as the church as whole would get off that heresy because that's not what the bible's teaching paul is saying we are united under one thing and that is the spirit of god the spirit of jesus the vision the mission of who jesus was who jesus is we are united around that we're united in no in, in believing that jesus is the only way to christ or christ to god to the father there are those things that we are united in And Paul's saying this other stuff doesn't matter. We get hung up on it at times. We will talk about stuff and we, and what happens is we start looking at things when, when Jesus talks about John 15, 5 and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Stay connected to me, you're going to bear much fruit. Even us in church get off point at times where we say, we start talking about programming and things like that. We'll say, well, the only way you can ever learn more is through this model or this model or do it this way or do it this way or sing this or sing that or dress this way or do this, do that. Guys, we got to get off of it. Paul's saying that stuff doesn't matter. Can it be used as a tool? Absolutely. No one's bashing anything here. But let's remember what it is. They are simple tools that may help us to grow in Jesus and our understanding of who Jesus is. Do they ever replace staying connected to the vine? Never. The only way you're going to bear fruit is staying connected to the vine and allowing Jesus to produce that. We struggle with that so much because we are people of doers. We've got to do this, do this, do this. The only way, I can't say it enough, the only way you are going to become more Christ-like is to stay connected to Jesus Christ. Period. Now, there are things that may help that. I understand that. But when we start replacing staying connected to Jesus with other things, we are not going to become like Him. We're going to become passionate about things that are, that are temporary, that are not eternal. Does that make sense? That's what Paul's talking about. 
Paul's saying God uses the things of the world to, to uh, you know, his wisdom is so much greater. God uses the things of the world uh, to, 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 uh, to fool man in a sense. And in the same chapter, or the second chapter, the same letter to the Corinthian church, he says this. And this is where it gets very critical. And I want you to really lean into this and understand this. He says, and we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit. We have received God's Spirit so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Think about this for a second. If you don't understand or know freely the things God has given you, is something off? Because it seems to indicate here Paul is saying God has given you His Holy Spirit. So you can either say, well, the Holy Spirit's not doing His job in my life, or I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit. Am I connected? Am I staying connected to who to, to to the vine so that the Holy Spirit can communicate freely to me the Spirit or the, the who God is? And he goes on to say this: When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. The Spirit of God, he would go on in these two chapters and he talks about the wisdom of God and the foolishness of man. He goes on to talk about, in I think chapter 2 of this same book before these verses, he says, who knows a person more than the Spirit of that person? Who knows a person more, more deeply and intently than the Spirit of that person? And he says, that is the Spirit that God has placed inside of you. So when God places His Holy Spirit inside of us at that moment of salvation, the Spirit begins to reveal to us the things of God. He begins to communicate truths to us of God. He begins to communicate to us who God is and what God is. He communicates us to us the desires of God, the, the, the wisdom of God, everything about God. His very essence is placed inside of us. Do you see why it is a complete oxymoron to say I'm a Christian, but I'm not growing or I don't understand God? Something's missed. Something's off. Something is completely off. It makes sense that if God places His Spirit inside of us, we are going to know more of God and we're going to grow more into His image. Jesus says this. Remember that whole passage where Jesus said, He's he's asking the people, He he turns to His disciples and He says, Who do do the people say that I am? Remember that whole passage? He says, who, who do the people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're this, some say a prophet, some say this. And he says, he looks to them and he says, who do you say that I am? Who do you think that I am? And Peter comes up with the million dollar answer, right? And he says, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. And what does Jesus say? Blessed are you. Because this isn't something that you've what? Discovered yourself. This isn't something that you've discerned yourself. This is something that God the Father has revealed to you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As we walk with Him, as we stay committed to Him in our walk with Him, 
His Spirit reveals things to us and we start looking like Him because we are living in a humble posture before Him. And we start taking on the Beatitudes. We start taking on this salt and light concept where we go into our world and we bear light and we, and we, and we preserve like we talked about last week and we enhance flavors. And we are, we're essentially in an axe. We, we are His witnesses. And we share with the world the things that He's done within our lives. Well, we don't have to sit there and debate about things, but we share how God has changed our lives. Like the guy who was blind and he could see. Remember that whole story? And he said, you know, he kept asking him questions. And, you know, how did this happen? He says, you know what? I can't answer all your questions, but the one thing I can say is this. I was blind, now I can see. You see, that's what God's Spirit does for us. We're blind and then we're able to see. To see the things of God. Now, Listen to what Matthew chapter 5, that last part of, that, of, of the Beatitudes that I didn't read. I want to finish that by reading it this way. He says, now that I've put you here on a hilltop, on a light stand. Again, your salt, your light. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Shine. And he says this. Keep, and this is the part right here that I absolutely love. And this is why we use the message uh, paraphrase. Keep open house. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I can't think of a stronger statement of heresy than to say, my spiritual life is private. Since when? Paul writes in Ephesians, you're saved to do what? To bring glory to God. To do good works. To bring God glory. We're saved to do what? To be light, to be salt. Jesus says, in the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases here, keep open house. Open yourself up. Be generous with your lives. They're not your lives any longer, it's my life. Be generous. Be open up. Because what will happen? Because you're going to bring God glory. And when you open up, people are going to see God. And it's going to prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. That is who we are called to be as people. Salt and light. To be generous with our lives. To be committed to this. To be generous with our lives. And to be opened up. The thing that we want to do more than anything else is to close up. And that comes from, tr- that comes from fear. Because it comes from broken trust with other individuals. Other individuals have taken things that we've shared with them in private and have exposed us. All these things. And what happens is the enemy, Satan, comes in and he says, Don't you dare open up. Don't you dare get with some other individuals. Don't you dare do that. And it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes pure, perfect sense. Why would I share my dirty laundry with someone else? Why would I share what I'm struggling with with someone else? Because they're going to hurt me. Why would I do that? And it goes back to exactly what we talked about, what Paul talked about. It doesn't make sense. It sounds like foolishness. But that is what God does to bring Himself glory. I don't know if you were here a couple um, a month or so ago when, when Scott Stalker 
delivered the message. And one of the things he said was that, that, that he had been praying to God um, about certain, a certain vice that he had in his life that he wanted God to just remove. And he kept praying to God, God, please remove this. God, please remove this. God, why? I love you. Why are you not removing this? And God said to him, Scott, I'm going to remove this. I will deal with this, but I'm going to deal with it in community. You see, that's how God works. He saves us. He brings us into His fellowship, into His family. We are now His children. We are now um, adopted into the family of God. And He's calling us to be the salt. He's calling us to be the light. He's calling us to be generous with our lives. He's calling us to open up so that when we open up, it's going to bring Him glory. That's why one of the things that, that, that we believe in here at Elements, one of our core values is stories. And the reason because of that is when we share our stories, when someone has been absolutely radically altered by the grace of God, when they come up here and they are willing to come up here and share and they have this mindset that says, you know what, my story's not my story, it's God's story. That's what that means. I'm going to share my story with you because I want you to know that I'm just like you and that I'm struggling. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you where God's grace has gotten a hold of me and transformed my life. I can't find any other ways to encourage us as followers in Jesus, as the mass to become mobile, than for someone to share where they may have been struggling, but they have found hope, they have found strength, they have found grace, they have found love, they have found mercy through Jesus Christ. And as I hear people that struggle, or that have struggled, and God's radically gotten a hold of their lives, it absolutely encourages me because I become, then it's like saying, you know what? This, this God is alive. God is real. God is in control. And, and, and so today, as the, as the worship team comes back, I want to do something a little different. Well, I shouldn't say a little different. We've done this before, but I'd like for us to have a time of prayer. And I want, to invite, I want to invite, obviously, everyone to come and pray. But I want to invite a couple specific individuals as well. Um, Pat and Lynette Lehman. You may have seen uh, uh, Lynette's post on Facebook and things like that. She's been dealing with breast cancer. And then just recently, she got the news that the cancer has returned and metastasized itself in her brain as a brain tumor. I want us to pray for them. Keith Eisenman um, has been dealing with uh, his, his mother the past month, was, went in for a procedure and they opened her up and found out she full, was full of cancer and she passed away last week. I want us to pray for them. That's why we're here, is to open up and to be a part of each other's lives and to pray and to lift up. And I know that many of you, that's... you. you, you you enjoy that, and that's, you desire that, and it gives us that opportunity to pray over these two individuals. There are some others sitting in here I don't, I'm not aware of, but I, I'm positive there's others sitting in here this morning that you've received news lately. It might be physical, it might be relational, it might be some other things within your life, but the news you received kind of rocked you. And you may be sitting in here this morning, and your heart, truth be known, is a very heavy, extremely heavy. I want to invite you forward to pray. Some of you are sitting in here this morning and you're not connected to the vine. 
Whereas God saying to you, I absolutely love you. I'm pursuing you with a love relationship. I adore you. I don't want you to spend eternity separated from me. I want you to be a part of my family. Maybe today's the day you heard something, you sang something, you saw something, you experienced something, you encountered the love of Jesus through some medium or some form, fashion or whatever. And Jesus is, is you've, you're opening yourself up to Jesus and today's going to be the day that you're going to celebrate your first birthday. You're going to be birthed into the family of Jesus. I want to invite you forward and I want, I want us to pray for you as well. Maybe you're a follower of Christ. But truth be known, your life hasn't been bearing fruit. You're caught up in other things. You're distracted. You're caught up in other things. And you're off point. And today the Holy Spirit has come into your life. He's rattling your cage and He's trying to get your attention. He's saying, stop. Come back. Return to your first love. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning. And I want to invite you. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you're dancing on the mountaintop. You need to come and you need to help pray. So this morning, I want us to have a time. I don't know what, you know, what, I, I just want us to pray together. That's what we do. That's what church is. We pray for one another. We lift each other up. We focus and unite on the one thing that matters, and that is Jesus Christ and bringing Him glory. So right now, I want you to slip out of your seat. I want you to come forward. I want us to have a a, a time of prayer. So whether you want to be prayed for, prayed over, or you're going to help pray, would you please slip out of your seat right now would you please come forward so that we can have a time of prayer just gathering around one another just spending some time here closing our time out here this morning with some prayer let's kneel let's get down and let's kneel together As we come into a posture of prayer and, and just before the presence of God, I want you to think of if you're here this morning, I want you to put on the front of your mind why you're being prayed for, whether it's being prayed over healing, whether it's prayed for a sickness, for some news you got, whether you have, you're discouraged, whether you've lost a loved one, whether you're. You've got some mixed up relationships or whatever it is. Maybe you're, again, maybe today's the day you're, you're, you're giving your life to Christ for the very first time. Maybe you're coming back and you're committing your life to Jesus, recommitting it, saying, God, I've gotten off point. Whatever it is, I pray that you would just, I want you to bring it to the front of your mind. And, and for the rest of us, I want us to just pray in our hearts as well. As I lead us into a word of prayer, I ask that you would pray and pray for the people here that have come to just have a moment with God. Let's pray. Jesus, we live in a broken world. And for some of us in here this morning, we are hurting. We are very, our hearts are full of 
fear. Our hearts are full of sorrow. Our hearts are full of doubt. Our hearts are, may have been full of doubt. Our hearts are just in a place that, that need to be touched by You. I pray, God, this morning we would kind of look we would look like the woman that reached out and grabbed a hold of your hymn. And with faith, we're, we're touching you. We're, we're calling upon you. We're asking you to forgive us of our sins. We're asking you to help us to recommit to this, this spiritual journey. We're asking you to heal. We're asking you to provide peace. We're asking you to, Father, to just do your thing. And we know, Jesus, that when you, can, when you minister to us, we know that you distinctly know us, you, how we are uniquely created. And we find great hope in that. We find trust in You, Jesus. And I pray that Satan would flee here this morning. I pray, Jesus, that You would allow deceptions to be stripped away. I pray that You would let spirits of confusion, spirits of doubt, spirits of discouragement, spirits of frustration, spirits that are not of You, I pray that You would cleanse this place right now. The people would find what they're looking for as You touch them as they just simply look to You and pray to You. I pray, Jesus, that You would reveal through Your Spirit exactly what they've been looking for and what they need most right now. We thank You that You're in control. We thank You that You're a loving Father. We thank You that You're a loving God that wants to to give us a blessed life. And I pray that we would stop looking in ways that doesn't yield what we're looking for and we would look to you and surrender ourselves in a humble contrite way before you right now in a prayerful posture and just saying father here we are here we are the book of revelation you tell us those that are thirsty those that are tired those are that are messed up to come and so here we are jesus and as we close our time here this morning, I pray that you would just minister the way you do. Through the, and that your Holy Spirit would just connect and be received the way that you so desire it to be received, Him to be received. And as we engage and sing this last song, I pray that it would continue to be a time of, of worship through prayer and a time of response to you. We thank you. We love you. And we pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.